0: Connection Podcast Network listeners. Welcome back inside the Wrestling Warzone, a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I'm JT, and joining me as ever is my partner, Chad. Chad, how are you?
1: Doing good tonight. How's it going?
0: Not too bad. Uh, my son is super into uh, shanties, like sea shanties. So he's been listening to a lot of those, like pirate songs. And okay, it's just been like three days of Wellerman, <laughs> which is his favorite one. Um, and it's just, like, nonstop, So, if you want to get something stuck in your head, check that out.
1: Have you ever heard of, uh, like, a plush toy being called a slushy? No, the only slushy we would have up here is, like, 7-Eleven. Yeah, like, like a slush a toy. toy.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, yeah, so Caden calls the, uh, like, the little Mario. Mm-hmm the little small plush toys like he calls them slushies i don't know if that's yeah. official or what but he keeps saying like i want slushies uh and he's definitely gonna be a collector like myself because every time we go in there's a new one he has to hoard it but <laughs> uh, he's also done that with the dog man books the oh yeah. yeah yeah easter same bunny here. officially completed his collection of dog yes. man so
0: same here we have full dog man and did you get the newest cat kid yet uh not uh was this the second or the third one that only just came out last oh week. boy yeah we only got two so it's on amazon we had pre-ordered um okay. and then he got some captain underpants so i think he'll end up with the whole the whole pilky collection but yeah, yeah i know he's ADHD like this is pilky yeah as an adhd sufferer it's like it's a really good for him like because it's so related and you read it and it's like there's some good lessons in there um, for sure, to speak speak toward it. There is a website, too, you can check out. It's like Pilkey World or something that has um, clips of all the books and stuff. Okay. So if he wants to check that out.
1: I'll probably get the new cat
0: kid and give it to him. He'll be
1: impressed.
0: Give me some points on that. <laughs> they're good books. They're pretty fun to read. Um, <laughs> they're pretty bad. The, uh... The, um... Do you think he mean like he heard someone called it a plush toy, like a plushie, and he thinks it was? That's plushie? what I'm
1: wondering. That's what I keep wondering. Um, I actually need to just Google it, but mm. I'm been lazy because it is just now like in our lexicon that he just says, you know, slushy. Right. So.
0: I'm guessing it was plushie he heard.
1: Maybe he did get a plush toy at um, the Braves game we went to. It's like a monkey with white hair. Mm-hmm. That he uh, named Joe, and also said yeah. it looks like my 93 year old grandfather with the <laughs> white hair. It does, lucky <laughs> Joe. At
0: least <laughs> yeah, he didn't say it looks like you. Could have been worse. <laughs> yeah, that, that could have been worse. But he loves that thing, so
1: the, uh, I was, I was uh,
0: happy on, with that. It says baseball coach is bald, and we had just seen Sonic 2, and he said he's going to call uh. him coach, coach Eggman, so he's been calling him that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's one of the ones he just let go. <laughs> like whatever. I'm not gonna, not gonna, not gonna argue on that one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it gets Man. tough. Like, uh, K- Kaden's definitely gotten more self-aware Like mm-hmm. the last year with some of that stuff. But last year, we would get a lot of comments of like, you know, like, why are you so fat, Dad? And it'd just be like that boy. It's like, oh, well,
0: thank you. It's like living with Kramer. It's the same way here. It's like it says is whatever's on his
1: fucking mind, no <laughs> yeah, matter what. Yeah. Kramer, D'Amato, one or the other. That's <laughs> <laughs>
0: true. Yeah. I don't know which one's meaner. Um, all right. So why don't we go ahead and dive right in uh, to our week of wrestling in the Monday Night War. So we're back to normal schedule now, finally. Raw's back yes. on Mondays. The uh, U.S. Open is in the books. Pete yes. Sampras, right, won? <laughs> yeah, he has is, he is, uh, thrusted up the
1: trophy, and we're back to regularly scheduled programming. Okay, very good, very good.
0: Steffi uh, Groff on the yes, female yes. All right, so uh, we're up to, to the uh, September 9th, 1996 yeah. Raw, and we're still still in the same spot? Still in, was it Wheeling? Yes, uh, Wheeling, West Virginia, still in the same spot. Okay. All right, we open up with Jim Ross narrating our opening video. Hypes up tonight's uh, Intercontinental Title Tournament, first-round match. Plus, we'll get comments from Ahmed Johnson. Regarding getting his belt back, we also find out The Undertaker will be in action as well, or at least be here tonight. Uh, we get our opening animation, and then that brings us right into our opener, which is a the IC title tournament match featuring Sabio Vega taking on Farouk. Uh, Sunny looking quite Hashimachi as she leads out <laughs> Farouk. Uh, we still have our uh, new fall season commentary team in place, Kevin Kelly, Jim Ross, and Jerry Lawler. Welcome us into a big night of action. Simon's so been scuffling a little bit lately, but Jaar reminds us of his King of the Ring performance last year, and then uh, takes a shit on the most recent Mike Tyson fight from last week, as does the King. Uh, which one was that? Did you take note when he said it? Was it McNeely uh, at his first one back? No,
1: it's, uh, it's actually the one, you know, when they'll mention, they mentioned Tupac later. I want to say Sullivan, maybe? I'll look it up while you talk. Okay. Uh, Bruce Seldon.
0: Yeah, Bruce Seldon. There we go. September 7th 1996 Let's see how long did it last maybe in first round knockout one of the shortest oh, heavyweight championship <laughs> fights ever 149 because that's what they were making fun of it they were saying um, like it's yeah. not worth your money basically right uh, almost immediately after the fight the audience began to chant fix thought Selden took a dive so Tyson could win the championship to face Savannah Holyfield the crowd continued to serenade Selden with a chance of fix as he remained in the ring Gray, Jim Gray asked Selden, did he take a dive? And Selden professed his innocence. I didn't train 12 weeks to come here and take a dive. So there you go. This is Tyson's, one of his bigger turns. And yeah, so Tupac was there. And uh, after the fight was when he was shot in the Right. Bar. Uh Quick aside, do you feel like sports and fixing
1: was more of a topic of conversation around this air than it is like
0: now? <sighs> Um, I don't know. Like, I do feel like it's still talked about, but I feel like uh, it's more talked about now that, like, I I think in the NBA, it still gets talked about quite a bit. Yeah. I, I mean, it may just be like
1: me growing up as a kid, but my mom would always be like, Especially with like, the Michael Jordan teams. She right. would always be, like, aghast that it would go six games or whatever in the finals. Right. I, I don't
0: know. but I think in basketball, is the most likely to lean itself towards some sort of fixing because small – and this is why it's so frustrating as a diehard college basketball fan because I, I don't really think, like, refs are trying to screw teams. I just think they're wholly incompetent. <laughs> and the problem with basketball is if you are trying to rig – or fix or sway, you can do it very easily in basketball, right? Because it's like, okay, guy get a uh, star, gets a foul in the first quarter. You can give him a ticky tack second, and all of a sudden he's sitting, or especially in college, yeah. the first half, right? It's easy to like get a guy to the bench that could change the game oh, yeah. or, you know, a charge call that shouldn't have been a charge. Like there's enough ticky tack sleight of hand type of calls. That you could easily kind of sway a basketball game easier than those sports, I think. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's inherent biases, but that's just something. That, it, it feels like this era was ripe for that. Up to. I think it. it's the boxing. I, I think boxing I mean, was Tyson. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I even think about like uh, what when Tyson and Lenny. Lewis had that draw, or was it, no, it was Lewis and uh, Vander, right? And it was like, oh, how was the first one a, a draw, or, it was crazy, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think the, I think boxing was so much bigger in the 90s, that it and boxing has always just had those rumors of, mm-hmm. you know, the fights being fixed, or throwing the fights, or, you know, whatever, to build the rematch, to get the payday, like, so I think you probably just heard it more, just because that was bigger. Um, I think we were just dumber as fans, too. There was less insight. <laughs> sure. There was less knowledge. Everyone's just kind of smarter on this stuff now because it's just so much more in your face, right? You could see every game. You could follow every game. You could hear about every game. Like, you can really study things more than you could have back then. So I think it's just, like, more obvious that, yeah, this probably – it's easier to get caught, right? Although, you know, who knows? Calvin Ridley it was betting games. It took us a year to hear about it. So <laughs> <laughs> it his, uh, his hard rock bet, yeah. All uh-huh. right. But yeah, I'm with you. But I think boxing, I think boxing drove a lot of that, I think, because there's right. just way more part of the pop culture. Like you never hear. I mean, I may hear about it more than most because I'm friends with mm-hmm. a couple, you know, a few people that are diehard boxer fans, like, yep. you know, the cowboy senior and uh, Souza, And I know, you know, you still tangentially know more than most do. I think about it. So I just happened. It's in my purview more, but I would say the average person probably never hears about boxing, right. Compared to in the nineties when, as a kid, like I knew all the big fighters. I My uncle used to get to all the fights, and we'd go watch them, and it was just a much bigger deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's essentially if Canelo is fighting, that's about it.
0: Right, and for a decade, it was Mayweather, yep. or decade decade plus, and the problem with Mayweather was, unless you were a boxing purist that loved to watch him in his skill, he was not the most exciting fighter. No, I think,
1: definitely no. not.
0: So, unless you were just, you know, if you were in it, it's just different. Like the nineties just meant so much more because the fights were tended to be a little bit more electric. And right There are bigger personalities that you could buy into and you just knew them all. Riddick Bow and Razor Ruddick and you know Holy Field and Tyson and even Buster Douglas. You know, like you just knew everyone's name. Michael Moore. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Moore. And around here, Vinnie Pazienza obviously was like huge and macho Camacho and like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was just just a much bigger purview. It was more covered for, you know, was it Tuesday night fights or whatever? Mm-hmm. on like usa it was like a big deal so anyway let's save that for the boxing <laughs> podcast someday <laughs> i feel like that's been on the list for like eight years like someone's yeah. got someone on one of these channels and gonna do a boxing podcast but uh so also like we mentioned tupac uh was shot the night after that fight september ninety six, he passed away uh i actually just listened to heard hit him up on the radio this morning so he was on my mind mm-hmm. anyway but um yeah sad so there you go Big a week in pop culture. Jim Ross says Savio and Ahmed are close friends. He carries a bit of Ahmed in his heart tonight. Nice headbutt by Farouk. It's just a lot of bullying offense from him. He's hammering Savio and throwing him around. We get a nice spin heel kick by Savio for two. And had maybe a little bit more energy than you expect with these guys. Farouk gets a hard spine buster for two. Gets some back and forth. Uh, A pretty long match with some wrestles mixed in. Starts to drag a bit as it goes. Uh, probably a few minutes too many, but I, I get it. Like they're trying to have longer matches and harder hitting matches. Uh, but when you just compare it to Nitro, it just continues to still just feel retro. Uh, right. It did crank along for a bit. It made sense to make a tourney match hard fought too. But given Farouk's push and Salvio's current status, I think Farouk looked a little weak here, weaker than he probably should have. Uh, but he finally finishes with the dominator. Sid comes out after the match and stares at Farouk from the aisle. So fine, just just too long. Uh, I think it should have been tighter with a quicker finish, but they are, like I said, going for that back and forth, hard fought match style right now. So Farouk advances. Savio gave it a go. Uh, I went two and a half, and I. We'll talk about this as the tournament goes on, but given Farouk's role in vacating this title and injuring Ahmed, and and claiming to be like the rightful heir to the belt, I feel mm-hmm. like he should have been much more dominant. Yep. In the tournament. And it almost is like forgotten that he did all that. And he's just like another guy.
1: Yeah. So I I want two and a quarter. I I agree with that. I mean, I think it's maybe just general um, negativity towards Savio. Mm -hmm. But they really present him as like this gatekeeper. They did it in that four person battle royal too. uh, They, you know, got it over Got it over on Austin. Um, it, it 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 continues to be frustrating for me. Uh, I did like the opening where like we basically go straight from the raw theme to Sonny's boobs. So that was, I mean, <laughs> okay, we'll take that anytime. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, here we go. Um, Farouk did look good with his uh, like power moves. It's a nice nasty spine buster. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, this had some decent back and forth, like you said. The spinning heel kick from Savio actually landed for us, too, for once, which was good. Uh, I did notice it sounded like we had a lot of awful, like, canned heat in yeah. this match, yeah. which was unfortunate. Uh, and then I agree that it... It it is just too long. Like, this, this, again, became, like, the raw showcase template match where there's some highlights here, but mm-hmm. it's... I don't know, 12 to 14 minutes when it probably should have been six to nine. So the chin lock goes on too long. Uh, Savio makes a mistake by putting his head down. Um, and then uh, Farouk does hit the Dominator. wasn't called that. Kevin Kelly actually does a uh, Vince impression. Where what, he says, a what a maneuver! Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, Farouk wins. Uh, the commentary, too, talking about Tupac, I, I made mm-hmm. note of that. I mean, so... I understand this is kind of that weird area where he's been shot, but he's not dead yet. Um, right. But it was very tasteless. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like Sabio starts to come back and Jr. says he's going to look like Tupac soon. And mm-hmm. then King makes a joke about how many times he's been shot, of course. And it right. was just uh, very.
0: I would think if they knew he was going to die um, or, you know, maybe they would have been a little more.
1: Yeah. Gentle with it. he had weird. Been. It's
0: kind of like a running joke by that point on. Of-
1: most, yeah, like,
0: yeah. No, I mean he a good it. shot a lot, but I don't so, know. But still all, like of all guys. Like yeah, the white bread commentary team,
1: you know,
0: fucking mm-hmm. it up. The uh, and, uh it was a lot handy. There's so much you'd think Jamaica was performing here, but it was it was a lot <laughs> going on. And yeah, I just um I think the the most glaring glaring thing with these raw template matches as you put it, is that it feels like that's the peak right now for Raw. Yeah. So not only that a template, it feels like this is maybe the best it could possibly be with with they got on the roster, or at least the way they give them the time and and set up on RAW. I yeah, we the,
1: could we could use a three
0: star RAW match. I don't even know. Like every now and then bust this one, but it's like even when you get guys you feel should, it doesn't happen. Like oh, Mero versus Owen. You know what I mean? Like, so, like something like that should break three stars. Like there's no reason it shouldn't break three stars. Um, it's just, it feels weird. That it's like settle into this very regular format. Right. All right. So we go to Action Zone uh, where we got clips of personal messages, uh, you know, to Ahmed Johnson from a bevy of stars. We have from Savio Vega, Bob Backlin, Sid, Steve Austin, Mark Henry, uh, Clarence Mason, Goldust and Marlena, Jerry Lawler, who, of course, works at a Jake the Snake joke, uh, The Godwins, Wins, Phineas says happy birthday, and Owen Hart. It felt very ECW, Pulp Fiction style with this.
1: It is uh, Mar- Marlena saying that, uh, you know, Goldust could serve up Ahmed's kidney with some fava beans. That was <laughs> yes. interesting. Um, I mean, Phineas saying happy birthday. What a dumbass! Like, it's just annoying. Like why? I, no, no. you know, like why do
0: you want to make your faces? Did I tell you that, that story? Dumb? The story about them at WrestleCon. No. So we were we were this little ads here view of Phineas. Um, we're <laughs> waiting outside for our Uber after WrestleCon. We're leaving, and Henry Godwin was like right next to us, and I, I said hi to him, and he looked like he wanted no part of anything. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna stand over here. Right. He was getting pissed because his car was there, but he was waiting on fucking Dennis Knight, and he's like stewing, uh. waiting for him. And he finally comes lumbering over, and he's like, "I've been waiting for this fucking guy for 20 years, you know, for 30 years, whatever." And uh, they finally got in the car and drove off, and he, <laughs> he was like, "Wicked pissed," and, and you could tell, like Knight probably is just about as aloof as you would think based on Phineas. yeah. Because he just keeps wobbling out, and he's like, "Hey, what's going on?" So we so, like, yeah, we don't we don't have the god
1: one's introducing uh the listeners to another episode of wrestling Warzone, <laughs> like the <laughs> franchise and the frenzy no.
0: no i wouldn't even i didn't even get a hello from from hog uh, just, just a <laughs> death stare i think if i would offer him, him my uber i'd say if i offered him my uber he might have might have liked me a little bit more yeah i should call it what's up Hank? <laughs> it actually took me a few minutes to confirm it was him because it like he had like a shirt on like the tattoos weren't clearly evident he's bald now so like, it wasn't super obvious it was him at first, but I confirmed it. And then uh, and then I saw Dennis Light come out, and he looks he's obvious who he is. So. <laughs> All right. Also obvious is Carlos Cabrera, who brings out Shawn oh. Michaels and Jose oh. Lothario for a special interview. Uh, Michaels addresses what's left of Camp Cornette, saying you dismantle the whole camp except for Cornette so far. And in your house, Super Sock will finish Cornette, because Shawn says he doesn't beat on women. Lothario says this is a personal issue, and on September 22nd, he'll kick his butt. Sean then turns his attention to Mankind, says he has run rush shot over Dirty F until now. Michael says not the biggest or baddest, but he has more guts and brains, and it works. Mankind's run will stop it in your house. Sean calls Paul Bear a turncoat dirty dog, and Taker will bury both of them. But until then, Sean will prove he isn't their mommy or friend, but he will be their daddy. And he tells Mankind not to hunt when he can't kill. So, I mean, fine, I guess. The Lothario Cordet feels like it's a little late. That felt like maybe something that should have happened in the summer. feels like we're kind of done with Sean and Camp Cornette now. Uh, but Sean and Mankind, obviously, they're trying to cobble together some semblance of an issue here between them. Yeah,
1: so I hated this, actually. Um, I, uh, Carlos Cabrera, terrible. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, Keane saying he thought it was Ricky Ricardo, also oh, terrible. Um, but, I mean, just, no, not not poised at all, kind of stumbling over his words. Just just bad. Uh, Sean, I thought the main problem here was he came off as cocky instead of brave, which is a problem for him mm-hmm. in this face character role, uh, and then immediately Kevin Kelly shilling his playgirl issue doesn't help, but, um, and he, he just seemed very, like, kind of scattered brain, like, I, I, I think there's something to say that, like, you know, I know Mankind likes to play mind games, and you know, I, th- I do think there's a couple of screws loose with him, but he's tough and I'm taking it serious. You know, that like there's a way to present that, and it's the way they work the match eventually, too. So right. they could have played into that and it'd been much more effective. Instead, he's talking about Camp Cornette, uh, the line about he doesn't hit women. So I guess Jose is good with hitting the women. Diego and yeah. joke. I
0: mean, it's a little just- forced.
1: Yeah, and then Jose and Cornette at Mind Games again, like who cares at this point. That that seems very like mm-hmm. free
0: for all material that's on um, Or just in the summer, like that should have been an international incident when and, Camp Cornet fought Sean's boys or even yeah. at SummerSlam free for all, something like that. Yeah. Like yep. it feels like we're just done with Camp Cornette and Sean, like why is this dragging on? Um for sure. And and Sean's always done that self deprecating, like I'm an idiot kind of thing. Right, uh, but yeah, sometimes this is like too much. Like, all right, like you know, okay, you're dumb.
1: Like, we get it. Yeah, this is. Uh,
0: I mean, I mean, I've been very
1: interested to see this feud develop because I know the end result with the match is such a classic mm-hmm. that I was hoping like it would be enhanced by it. Um, and I haven't rewatched the match, but at this point, like, it just seems like it's based on their, you know athleticism and their natural ability that that match is as great as it is because I've really not liked the feud. There's like all. no
0: feud, really. I think they just... It's it's like they didn't want to get too deep in because Mankind's so tied up with Taker still. Right. It feels like it's just... Okay, Mankind is the threat. He's going to fuck with Sean until the match. But it's not going to become like an actual feud. It's like a one-off, you know, monthly challenger type thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so...
0: Not, not, not my favorite Sean promo. Almost like a, almost like a science man event, like Hogan taking on Harley race, you know, like there's no real feud behind it. Maybe they have a quick shoot, some kind of angle quick on TV, but it's not much, you know, something like that. Yeah. I, get, yeah, I can say that. All right. Kevin hypes up uh, the Shawn Michaels Playgirl. We get some photo shoot clips. So that's coming up. Uh, Jim Ross and squeezes in a very brief <laughs> razor, Ramon and diesel mention as we cut to commercial. Yep. So, we'll continue to get more on that, of course, as we heard on the Raw Championship Friday. We then get an ad for Livewire, a new show debuting September 21st. It's part of the big new fall season. So, mm-hmm. that'll be showing up. It brings us to the ring for our next match, which is TL Hopper, still plunging around, taking on the <laughs> Stalker. Stalker marches out. Uh, the whole promotion is such a weird place. Like, you know, right as that's happening, we get Brian Pillman and Owen Hart backstage. And Pillman says he yeah. had a big scoop about Brett's future, he kind of gotten the scoop without Owen. Uh, you know, and and we'll get to more of that in a second, but it's like, you have like these guys like Pillman and Owen, and we're talking about Brett, we got Bulldog, we got Mankind, we got Shawn Michaels, like we got these like real hard hitting athletes. And then like in the ring is a fucking wrestling plumber with his ass crack hanging out. And uh, an all time legend with stupid face paint and camouflage on that. They don't even barely say his name. Like, it's just, we're in this odd place of like, is it 95 or are we in like 97? Right? Like that 96 is such a transitional year. You could tell like they want to make these changes and are being forced to drive forward, but they can't let go of some of the relic type stuff like these gimmicks, like the four weeks of syndicated TV. Um, so they're slowly being pushed into other stuff, thankfully. But right now, I feel like that is very confused.
1: Yeah, I, I, I thought this was just a weird choice too with Stalker's debut. Like regardless of how pushed he's going to be in the future, to have both right. the uh, the Owen Pillman stuff, as well as Ross talking about Razor and diesel going mm-hmm. during his debut match. It, it felt, uh, I, I think I'd actually done it in the next match more, but right. Right. I don't know.
0: It's just such a weird gimmick. Like again, my goodness bring him is Barry Windham. You know yeah. I mean? I mean
1: that, that, the gimmick itself, I, I don't know if Barry pitched it or what, what happened with that. But, um, it was uh, <laughs> not ill-fated,
0: to say the least. Uh, and they don't hide the fact that he's Wyndham. You know what I mean? Like, no, I mean, they yeah. say the
1: stalker Barry Wyndham. Like, I mean, yeah, he's... Uh, I, I, I do think there's some, like, anti-Southern sentiment there, where it's just, like, we can't have him, you know, being Country Barry Wyndham with his boots and come out there and
0: like whatever, guys. but... But it seems like, I mean, they're in this weird mix, like... the some of these guys, they're giving new stuff like mankind and gold dust and shit. But others, they're bringing in as is, like Vader. I mean, Austin kind of came in like yeah. he was late era, stunning Steve Austin. Pillman is Pillman, you know. So I don't know. Again, they just seem very confused (laughs) about where they want to go. Mm -hmm. So Pillman says he's got a huge scoop over Brett's future. Thanks, Owen. Owen says Brett has seen the light, but Pillman is the one that got them back together. He says the whole family's happy. Him and Brett have been reunited. And we'll hear more about this in the City of Brotherly Love, because Brett Hart will join them in the ring and in your house to make a big announcement. Stalker works through some basic offense. Ross apologizes to City F because he prematurely broke the story of Razor Ramon and Diesel returning and it caused a snag in negotiations. He takes full responsibility, but he stands by his sources and we'll have more on the story tonight. With all that going on, like you said, this match gets no focus. Uh, JR says Stalker goes big game hunting and mounts the victims <laughs> heads. I mean, yeah. is one, literally- one
1: animal a year? <laughs> is he murdering people, you know? Well, uh, I mean, I I don't know. I guess that's the thing. Like I know the my friends that do hunt, they'll go to like you know different locales, and sometimes we'll have the animal stuffed and then mounted. But I don't know. It was weird. Like he stalks one animal a year. Like he changes. Like oh, this year, guys, it's <laughs> a,
0: it's a it's a grizzly bear. So right. be ready. Yeah. This year we're know. going after a bison, boys. Yeah. <laughs> uh so stalker wins easily he really wasn't much of a debut he looked kind of sloppy too like the paint like was it i don't know like the, i guess the dark colors the camouflage just makes it look made his face look fatter <laughs> i mean it yeah. was fat but it made it look even fatter the hair is kind of all mussed up the big mustache <laughs> i don't know it's just like not a good look for him at all no and and again this is like we could freaking use bodies right now like we need guys and i'm not saying Wyndham could even work at that clip anymore but like he's probably good enough in the tank to deliver something And, like, why aren't we trying to bring him in and use him uh, to buoy the card in a more, you know, positive way (laughs) than than what we're doing here? Unless they really really thought this was going to work, which I guess is possible.
1: I I don't don't
0: think so.
1: I don't think so, just in the way they presented this. I mean... So you think they looked
0: at him like a T.L. Hopper-level guy? Like, just a name that they could put over
1: I mean, it's weird. I don't know if they felt like they owed him something or what, or just to sign him to sign him. But Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll see how his presentation is going forward. But I mean, they burn his debut by talking about everything else, except mostly him, except that he kills one animal a year. So I don't feel like they have. I mean, it might have been a JR
0: signing, right? Because he's pretty much fully the top. That's
1: true. Yeah, that's true. Could have been a bone he wanted to throw, but...
0: um. And we're about a few weeks out from a really fun burial of him. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right, we get clips of Mr. Perfect tormenting Honoris Helmsley. He's been stealing his dates, and then we uh, revisit the King's ongoing issues with Mark Henry, including the clips on Friday Night's King's Court, and we find out that Mark Henry will make his in-ring debut against the King in your house. Next up is the match you thought we should have talked shit through, and that is Crush taking on (laughs) Good old Tracy Smothers, known here as Freddie Joe Floyd. Uh, Let's hope this crush match is better than that return uh, snoozer we saw a few weeks ago. (laughs) Clarence Mason leads out crush. We continue to showcase the shaken up roster. JR says Mason wants to sign even more athletes to his stable. Mason hops in the booth to celebrate his Crush's mauling Floyd with some power offense. Mason dodges questions from JR as Floyd gets one spot in but discarded easily. And then crush finishes him. Uh, with, again, with ease. Uh, it was a fine squash, I guess. It was better than his debut, or his redebut. It was quicker and sharper. And I actually enjoyed Mason on commentary. I thought he was kind of funny. Uh, so I, I went a star and a half. I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, star. It's a straight
1: jobber match, but it was okay. Uh, the press slam by Crush looked good. Mm-hmm. Mason on commentary was fine. It just, I don't know. <laughs> it still feels like... Yeah, I mean, what's the ceiling of these guys? So uh, right, right. don't take much stock in it. Uh, Heart Punch is an okay finisher, I think, for Crush. Um, mm-hmm. o- overall, this was definitely better in the debut, re-debut. So.
0: Yeah, and I, I think Crush, you know, more so than the stalker, as with his other guys, probably has a little potential just because his name value is there, and he's been okay in the past. So
1: Well, at least they kind of presented something... I don't. I don't know necessarily. It's a natural progression from the <laughs> Hawaiian pineapple right. crushing guy to go to jail and come out. But I mean, he was a hill before. It's it's believable that uh-huh. you know he could have got caught up and you know did hard time and now it's back out. I mean, it just. It it seems like a more believable progression than hey remember this like kind of cowboy type character that you've right. seen all these years well
0: guess what he's a big game
1: hunter now
0: or, well and know. crush really did go to jail like that was a known story Sorry, too. yeah so I mean, it was that like was a shoot too yeah. yeah so um all right well, we I get quick cl- yeah. Wyndham's probably hunting on the weekends too. <laughs> the <laughs> the his tick- friends it. aren't calling the stalker no. Hopefully not. Uh, we get clips <laughs> on Friday where Bob Backlund brought back the Iron Sheik. We then go to our final match, our main event of the night, as the Undertaker is in action the first time since SummerSlam, taking on Salvatore Sincere. It was of oh. course uh, Johnny Gunn. Right. Um, this is, uh, you know, I guess we're seeing the continuation of them maybe panicking into this Taker rushback. We talked at length about it after SummerSlam that it felt like maybe they could have played that out a little bit more. Um, but I think, that, again, they were really afraid of the rumors of him going to WCW and spiking potential ratings there, that they rush him back. And, like, here we are, you know, less than a few weeks after SummerSlam, when he had this horrific match of Mankind, Paul Bearer turned on him, he was left in a heap, and he's just fighting Sal Sierra on Raw. Like, just, it felt like we probably could have done a little bit better with him post-SummerSlam.
1: Yeah, well, since Sincere is kind of a weird person to because mm-hmm. he's new to us. Right. But he'd been piddling around a little bit, um, I guess, on Superstars. So. Yeah,
0: I think he's a little newer than um, the other guys that have been around since the summer, like Hopper and Freddie Joe and those guys and the Pug. <laughs> um, I think he had to come in a – I don't think he was part of that initial – swoop uh yeah and i debuted in july yeah Yeah, he's
1: kind of all over the place like yeah he was on superstars defeated aldo montoya billy two eagles good lord um so he'd been on a little bit of the syndication oh by the way with superstars did you uh they had the like promo for it Mm -hmm. debuting on uh usa
0: yep right here september 22nd
1: really weird promo though like been on air longer than Seinfeld yeah the yeah. friends was pimple face kids it's that it's that continuous thing like the longest running live action you know, it, know right? what I mean like it's always got to be like oh we're the longest running stuff I mean it's like okay great like yeah <laughs> technically you've been on air longer than Seinfeld but I mean how many Seinfeld, at this point, was outdrawing superstars. Right. Probably, oh, what, like, 30, $35 thirty thirty five million to maybe one. Right, right. <laughs> Come on. Crushing it.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, the big war will continue as superstars moves to <laughs> right. Sunday's. So that was a big shift. Saturdays, you know, mostly Saturdays. I think some places it was Sunday, but mostly Saturdays in syndication, and it is now be every Sunday on USA. So it's a pretty big shift there. Uh, we found out Superstars will be live that day um, from Philadelphia before in your house. So they're kind of really hyping up that that shift quite a bit. Jr. also hypes uh, the Diesel and Razor news that's about to break. Uh, so we're at a, what a pro going in on that. I guess Mm. sincere is supposed to be like a mafia guy, but they don't really play it that way. He's just like, I don't know what the fuck he's portraying. (laughs) Like the pink hat, that's just odd. Um, He had a great theme song, but of course it is. I mentioned Johnny Gomba, his real name, of course, Tom Brandy, and he'll go on to do a lot of other stuff.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask, like in your Italian culture, if you... I mean, because his character was basically like that he's, you know, not sincere, but acts like a very... You know, hey, I'm a good guy, you know, that type of character, uh shaking hands and whatnot. Um I don't know. It d- it didn't really resonate with me.
0: But No, I'm maybe... I i do not I mean yeah, like I d I don't know. Like we watched a lot of Sopranos lately and I don't there's no one like this really <laughs> on there. Right. So I think they capture all of the, the types of stereotypes on there. So. I mean, I I think for what he's
1: going for, the FBI and ECW does kind of that same thing, so much better.
0: Yeah. So oh, yeah. That's a problem, too. Well, And they're doing like the fake tough guy thing, which is right. way more real and right. dead on. Like the delusional tough talking, you know, with the axe. Yeah, this... I, I don't know what they were trying to do.
1: I mean, he I, looked like he should be, like, leading a Gondor tour. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, and then do the whole fake um, platitude stuff. Like, you know, I love you right. all. Oh, I'm so sincere, but it's not really... I don't know. They should just went all in with the mafia thing if they were gonna do it. Just <laughs> played it up a little bit more. But he's yeah, no uh what the fuck? Drawing a good name on the blank of the guy's name that showed up in NXT that friggin' Grootie went to high school with. Um <laughs> okay. oh, boy. Hang on, I know it I'm looking it up really quick. It's Tony D'Angelo's <laughs> friend. Oh, AJ Galante. <laughs> there you go. Grooty knows his family from school. <laughs> he's all excited when he showed up at Takeover. Yeah. All right, uh, Sincere glad hands the announcers as he comes out again. He, he does have a, a goat theme song. I'll give him that. Undertaker <laughs> sucked out solo. He's got no gear on uh, and powers out to the ring. Goes right at Sincere. He's pissed. He's very violent. <laughs> Throwing Sincere around. Spikes him hard to the mat. Uh, old Sal gets a little offense in as Kevin wonders if Taker's focus has been messed up with everything going on. Sal has a little, couple little spurts, a nice sit-out clothesline. We get an inset promo from Goldust to Marlena, who quote the Untouchables. Goldust issues a warning. Of course, they'll be having their final curtain match in your house. Uh, Taker gives away way too much offense here. Sal looks, uh, you know, you know who he actually looked like—the guy that's in all the Farrelly brother movies. You know what I'm talking mm, about? Yeah. In Hall Pass, he plays like the rich guy asshole. In, uh, in no, I've never seen Hall Pass. In, in uh, I'm uh, trying to think what say. else he does. Uh, what else is he in? I don't know. He's in a bunch of Farrelly brother movies. Okay. Uh, anyway. Uh, King keeps prodding JR for more details, and he says uh, he'll they'll talk about it before we go off air. JR stands by his sources. There were negotiations this weekend between all parties. There was a snag with Razor Moan, but Diesel's progressing quite well. <laughs> Odd. Uh, he'll keep bringing more on the story as he can. Sal's working hard, but uh, him dominating Taker just makes no sense. They're not pushing like that Taker has medical issues. They're not saying he had a staph infection or he was banged up. Uh, in the in the boiler room like this is just like a regular match and Sal Sincere is like working him over before Taker finally finishes him so I mean I guess Sincere looks solid but not really the time for it Taker really needed a red hot angry on fire squash to just destroy someone to send a message to mankind and Goldust uh, and maybe they saw some promise in Sincere but let's do it in a different way have him have him have the squash and maybe Taker destroy someone else so uh, I went two stars It just felt very misguided with what they were trying to get across here.
1: God, the, the Fairley Brothers have the weirdest filmography. Great stuff. Uh, I mean, well, they got like absolute classics mm-hmm. and then just terrible. Like the Three Stooges from 2012 <laughs> yeah. stuck on you. It's like, how can you be stuck that on you, great?
0: Okay. Oh, come on. What was the other one? Chris Klein. Was that a... Uh... Uh, there's one with him I mean, in there somewhere along the way. don't know.
1: Uh, there's something about Mary. Kingpin. And then they did Green Book. But, I mean, like Dumb and Dumber 2, that sucks. Like, that's a cash grab. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, this match, I, I didn't like this match much at all. Um, I, I gave it a star in three quarters. But, yeah, Sal got way too much offense in the mm-hmm. taker. And, um it, it was, it's just weird. Like this is uh, this this whole show seems very scatterbrained, and I can't think of one match at the actual pay per view that I was more excited for coming out of this show than going in, which right. is a big problem. Um, I, I mean, Goldust and Taker and Mankind and Shawn are your two big matches, and I, I thought both of those were duds all around. And, mm-hmm. and I think the main thing is, like we stated before, like you said. I mean, mankind and Taker is still the heated feud, so it right. really does feel like we're just kind of biding time till they face it off
0: again. And uh, I will say, they, the the only open question is like, I, I mean, I think it, it's not out of the realm that Mankind could win the title, and him and Taker could fight for the title because that would bring the rivalry. Right. The
1: okay. They could. I just, I just want to see Mankind more as a threat. Mm-hmm. I mean. Sean, your baby face dismissed him. So, right. <laughs> no, what, what are you gonna do? Uh, Raw saying that negotiations, uh, were progressing well with Diesel, but not Rosa. <laughs> that was I don't, I don't know what that was about. Just kind of drawing it out still, but it was it was strange. Um,
0: I think they're yeah, just trying I mean, to get to that raw like in your house, so they have to fill these weeks, um, mm-hmm. because that's when they knew they were gonna do it on the next live. Live
1: raw, right. So, so overall, again, like once Taker makes his comeback, it's it's fine. It is what it is. But since uh, sincere just feels like such like jobber to the stars, like in his presentation and the way he looks, that seeing him get near falls on Taker, even if you want to talk about like he doesn't have the power of the urn and he's still been in the hospital, right. it felt a little far fetched. So
0: it was a miss. Yeah. I just, at least sell it, at least say like, oh yeah, he's really banged up, um, from that match. And that's why sincere is able to dominate him. Like we just got none of that.
1: That's part of it too. I mean, like, taker could have sold that probably better coming out
0: like he just comes out
1: and decks right. him and gets a hot opening and stuff and, and it actually makes sal look good because he like weathers the storm and then takes a one off it so yeah. it's like okay
0: so i mean again if they saw something in sal like have him go over stronger somewhere else you know right. i don't know this yeah. is odd not here uh, so the actor's rob moran uh he was in dumb and dumber kingpin something on mary shallow how and hall pass so he's in all those fairly brother movies he's in a lot of other stuff too but the hmm. uh, Dumb and Dumber. He's a bartender. Kingpin. He's uh, he's Stanley and Kingpin. He's a trooper, and me, myself, and Irene. He's a. If you see him, you'll know him. You'll look him up. Yeah,
1: He'll, I looked at him, and yeah, yeah he's he's in one of
0: those like recognizable faces, but you don't know his name. Okay. And he also was Sal sincere apparently. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So that's it for Raw. Let's do our awards before we head over to Nitro. Uh, Match of the night. I mean, I guess I went Savio versus Farouk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think by default. Okay. Uh, Moment of the night. I I mean, I went with a Sean interview. Again, I don't like there wasn't much else. Uh, so I actually went with something we didn't even talk about. There was the
1: mind games promo pack. That shows up as the show was. There's a very quick, like mind games promo package before mm-hmm. the Sean interview that I thought was more effective than the actual interview. Um, you know, kind of cut scene and the way it was presented. So I went right. with that. Okay. Very weak.
0: Very weak. Uh, MVP again, weak. I, mean, I asked Sean, like I didn't mind the promo as much as you did and, I, I mean, I guess Sal hair was an option, but no one else really looked that great to me. I did
1: for Root just based on the power moves, but yeah,
0: he had problems too. All right, I had a few commentary lines. Uh, Savio will last longer than Bruce Sed- Seldon did against Mike Tyson. That was king. That had no effect on Savio because you have to have a spine. That was king. Savio's favorite is <laughs> badly as the New York football teams right now. That's king. And then Kevin said, not sure it's that bad. Of course, Kevin's a big Giants fan. I have a lawsuit with Playgirl for using pictures of my body with other people's heads for years. That was King. And uh, what are you talking about? old Billy Joe Ray Bob in there. That was King. Talk about Freddie Joe Floyd. Do you have any <laughs> commentary line? No, uh, just the stuff about Tupac. But we talked about it. Yeah. All right. No shots fired. Uh, debuts, we have the Stalker and Sal Sincere. Yep. And then uh, Final Grade. Yeah, not a great Raw. I'm hoping this is our bottom out completely sta- you know, period. I've always kind of pegged the fall as when we start to really turn the ship around, I think heading towards Survivor series. So hopefully we just got slog through the rest of this taping and then maybe start to get some business picking up. But I went three and a half out of ten.
1: Yeah, I went three out of ten. I think this was probably one of the worst brawls we've watched. Mm-hmm. Um maybe it's just because I expected more too. Um they're they're in a pretty bad spot though right now. I would I would like I would like something a little better because the Raw right before SummerSlam also did three and a half out of ten, so it has not been a great uh, streak I would say. Like right. I mean the even like the Raw. Uh, championship friday like that felt like a good showcase Mm -hmm. and i mean that went five out of ten so i just thought that was serviceable so it it, i I would like to see some momentum growing so hopefully
0: that happens soon yeah they're definitely struggling like again though i feel like the pieces are there that it's not sure they don't have the experience yet on how to present a more realistic hard-hitting product i think they're trying to figure that out and they're going to get some reinforcements you know obviously they're starting to name drop brett so you know he's probably around the corner to come back austin mm-hmm. we're starting to see austin get pushed more in your mind you think maybe hillman's going to show up soon maybe ahmed comes back soon like some you know there's starting to be some pieces to the puzzle it's just going to be like when do we pull the trigger and and elevate this presentation to a more modern feel and look and these right these sleepy you know we still have one more raw to go before mind games and it's already feeling sleepy, like this mm-hmm. third, third week of taping. So you can only imagine how the fourth one's going to feel.
1: Yeah, crowd felt pretty burned out here.
0: So right. Not great. No, so we'll see. Um, all right, what's not burned out is North South Connection Chad. Anyone want to talk about anything going on there? Yeah, so a lot of cool
1: stuff happening each and every day now. Uh, shout out Ruthlessly Aggressive. I was on the latest episode of that show, which was the go home show to Royal rumble, 20, uh, 2003, uh, which was, which was fun to talk about. We talked about the 2002 observer awards, um, a lot of, uh, Kurt angle going on, a lot of Al Wilson going on. So, uh, uh, that was an interesting time frame too. It To me, it actually paralleled very well with what we're talking about with raw in 96. Cause, uh, you you would think like go home show to mm-hmm. one of their two or three biggest shows of the year there'd be a lot happening to push that show Royal Rumble and uh, you can listen but that was not necessarily the case uh, so that was a lot of fun uh, still still got a lot of stuff cranking out New Gen on a mission they're back they looked at King of the Ring 1993. I actually just dropped a day re-recording, so I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I look forward to that. Uh, And Then the genie position, she has uh, transitioned over. We'll be Mm -hmm. dropping her content on Wednesdays, uh, so you can check that out to get your dose of pop culture throughout the week.
0: Very good. Be sure to check it all out. Super proud and uh, excited about everything we have going on here, and just... Really love everyone who continues to churn out the content and everyone who listens and shares their feedback as well. So thank you. All right, let's head to the Columbus civic center in Columbus, Georgia, Chad, your hometown, yeah. uh, hometown area. As we get into our nine, ninety six episode of Monday
1: Nitro. How far are you from yep. Columbus? Uh, right now, about an hour and a half where I was living then in Alabama, it'd been about two and a half hours. So, okay. Uh, so not not, yeah, not too bad. Uh, Kind of an interesting town, I think. Columbus, Georgia, actually has more wrestling history than people might know. Just from mm-hmm. Georgia Championship Wrestling, uh, it was the Fred Ward, um, who you know he's he's one of those promoters. Like he he just promoted the Tuesday night shows in Columbus, and he's one that people keep bringing up as a possibility for Holy Grail footage hmm. because he supposedly taped everything. Um. There's been I think some like uh overtures to his family and whatnot in recent years there's you know every once in a while there's a thread that pops up on either k memories or wrestling classics talking about it and his family's like denied that they still have it or whatnot, but it could be a gold mine like if we did have those Tuesday house shows like even the the hard cam footage so but. I digress, but 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 a, a pretty interesting town. I mean, they would run uh, a lot of the Omni feature matches, you know, throughout the week and the spot shows. So so there right. could be a lot of you know great stuff between like Rich and Mad Dog and whatnot. So it's it's a good what if, but uh, you know, a cool cool uh, little wrestling town, Southern wrestling town, and uh, this is a pretty. I would say this is a nice coup for them. Now, of course, uh, as we talked about, Nitro was not proud to be here because you never hear them mentioned the whole show. Um, So because it's a secondary town for sure. It's it's probably like the fifth or sixth biggest town in Georgia. Columbus is maybe even like seventh or eighth at this point. So
0: it's like a run in Palmetto, you know? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Tony Schiavone and Larry Zbyszko welcome us in. They set the stage for what's ahead. They recap Giants' heel turn from a week ago. Larry says the balance of power has officially shifted to the NWO. Tony says we still know the fourth man for War Games because Giant is already – we still don't know the fourth man because oh, Giant's right. are already wrestling at Fall Brawl. So it's probably not him. So that means someone else will be popping up for the NWO. Brings us to our opening match as Sensei Pat Tanaka is on the scene taking on Super Super Kolo. In comes Mike Tenay to pop in for this Cruiserweight match as Kalou makes his Nitro debut in advance of his big title match on Sunday for the Cruiserweight title. Kalou takes it there early after a brief flurry from old Pat hitting a big somersault sent on to the floor. We see some uh, teenagers with the NWO shirts uh, in boxes of flyers, kind of a street team activation type thing. They're working around passing stuff out. Uh, back in the ring, we get a nice sit out powerbomb by Tanaka, who's always good. It's just a well schooled base for matches like this. Tries a gut wrench off the middle rope that almost kills, as I say that, almost kills poor Super Kilo. Uh But Kalow <laughs> falls on him for the win. Uh, I thought this started hot, but it got ugly really quick at the end with that mm-hmm. near-death experience. Uh, uh ready to head to Fall Brawl. And I, I like Tanaka um, in this role, though. It was like, we talk about Teal Hopper. I guys like that on Raw. Like, if you're giving me Tanaka in that role on Nitro, I'm all for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, a couple things. Face Hogan still in the opening uh said so I mean oh, yes. to, to that so that yep. that's still happening uh this this kind of set the tone for the night a lot of quick matches um mm-hmm. and they weren't we'll we'll go through them as we digest them but um it it was kind of an odd structure with the with the quickness of the matches I did I agreed with you I thought there was a couple of hot moves but then that finish was pretty harrowing and uh Kind of like awkward, like Kolo just kind of falls on him and gets the win. I mean, this, this is literally went two minutes, so I want to star in a quarter. Uh, not much to it. It's basically just an introduction for Kolo, so he just doesn't show up on the pay per view very cold, getting a Cruiserweight title shot. Yep. And uh, was also utilized for the NWO Street Team or whatever to show them, which I did like that they were younger. I, yes. I thought that was a smart move, like pushing that, you know, it's younger, cool. it's edgier. Yeah. yeah, cool.
0: So that was good. Always good to see the sensei pop up for sure.
1: Yeah, Tanaka Tanaka's kind of a fun technician who's, I mean, he really made the rounds between ECW, WCW, WWF. He uh, hit all three and was always used as like a glue enhancement guy, but uh, did his job well.
0: Still wearing that freaking black sweatshirt. Yes.
1: <laughs> every every time his music hits too, like I know it's Tanaka until it's Goldberg, but <laughs> yeah. it still takes me like one second into the song. It's it's like the new hurdle. I'm like, oh Goldberg this early?
0: And then I'm like, no, I know. It's, it's crazy. Tanaka. Yeah. Yeah. Of all of all people. Yeah. <laughs> all right, mean Gene is with Rick Steiner. It talks about Nick Patrick's antics from a week ago. And uh, tonight, Rick will face off with Lex Luger, who comes in to talk. Rick just keeps saying he'll beat Lex, and he's all confused. Lex says Rick is a great wrestler, maybe the best ever, but this is a singles match, and he's a total package. I don't know why they made Rick look like a fucking idiot here. (laughs) It was kind of odd. And then Gene calls Rick Stick by accident. And off he was starting to say Scott. (laughs) The whole thing was weird. Or Steiner. Maybe he was going to start to say Steiner, and then said Rick. The whole thing was very odd, very odd. Uh, They make Rick, this is like 1988, Rick Steiner.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was uh, him uh, with Robin Green. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get Phineas a pass on the roll. I'm not giving Rick a pass here on <laughs> Nitro. Like, it, it, he just, you know, and Gene doesn't help either. Because, like, Rick is adamant that, like, you know, I had him, Gene, last uh-huh. week or whatever. Like, he had the match won. When we saw the match and they actually show it, if you didn't see it on this show, you can see that it was, like, 30 seconds in. So, uh, I mean, it's it's completely, you know, he, he's on another planet thinking he had the match well in hand and had Luger, you know, like over the barrel and was about All to right. pin him. So it's stupid. He at right. least does ask where Sting is. That's his one redeeming nugget of the whole thing. But um, the, the backstage, I don't think helped. Um, I, I, I feel like of the NWO stuff, and I know we've harped on him, uh a good bit lately but i feel like of the nwo stuff like gene has been mm-hmm. the toughest to transition to yep. a productive role like i feel like even somebody we'll get to but i thought this was a great night for eric on commentary mm-hmm. so even people that have struggled like bischoff larry at times
0: they're bobby, able bobby's another yeah one.
1: bobby too they, they've they been able to find thread lines that seem more natural and believable and help enhance the story. Right. And Gene, with everything he does, he just feels like, you know, an instigator or annoying or just, I, I don't know how to present it. Like, he, he was great in that initial uh, Hogan promo at Bash at the Beach. Mm-hmm. Like, he was the right person for that. But um, with everything else, he
0: hasn't fit well at all. Yeah. All right, well, I wonder, too, maybe he was going to say Sting, and that's why he said Stick. I don't know. Yeah, I don't he was know. know why definitely got screwed up, tripped we, we up. Have to a, we
1: have a good uh, couple of
0: slip of the tongs on this show. Nice. Just, we'll get to it. yeah. All right, we got our NWO paid announcements. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash shilling their new official T-shirt yeah. <laughs> with a funny line "Say all proceeds will go to the Ric Flair retirement fund. <laughs> you get the shirt. Didn't,
1: didn't get a price on that, which I thought no. was No, yeah, let's we'll see what they'll show up. Mm-hmm.
0: Usually it's the uh one for ten, two for twenty. <laughs> <So we'll see. laughs> uh but
1: I, I liked it. I mean that NWO shirt, that was like uh I mean, what an iconic
0: shirt It's brilliant. Oh, um, so good. The, the so simplistic and the design is just perfect. Yeah. All right, we get highlights of Glacier's big now this,
1: on Pro. <laughs> this is crazy. So this uh, I mean, this is the WCW equivalent of what I talk about with the stalker. Like, they must have known what they have with him because, yeah, I mean, like, so April 29th is promo's first start. And we had video packages up till last week, like on the 9 2 edition. They show it twice and say Glacier is coming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then after all that, he debuts on Pro. <laughs> Does his karate routine, you know, has the whole entrance with the snow and everything, but yep. what an absolute bizarre way to debut this guy they'd invested so much in. Like I I, I mean, do you think they knew by this point? I mean, what what happened? Like
0: No, they still push him. I almost feel like they fucked up and aired that pro match out of order. <laughs> like maybe. that would that would be more likely to me.
1: That's um, possible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But just don't mention
1: it. Like, even if it right. did happen on Pro, like, don't mention, just like Glacier's debut next Monday here
0: on Nitro, like, big deal. Um, Unless they just try to make all of the shows feel...
1: Maybe, boring. that's true, too. I mean, because we still get the Saturday night stuff, but...
0: Right, you don't want to miss I, Pro I thought, because, um, you know, you'll see stuff at Glacier's debut.
1: That's... It, I, I thought that was crazy. Um, Tony does mention that Bubba challenged him, so definitely mm. looks like that's his first feud.
0: All right, Larry gushes over him, too, in his background. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's finally yeah, happened. Well. All right, big tag <laughs> debut as our new faces mm-hmm. continue here. We get the amazing French-Canadians. That is Jacques Rougeau and Carl Oulette, of course, formerly the Quebecers. Um, Larry really struggles saying Oulette. He has a hard time getting that <laughs> Uh, the french canadians get a very apathetic reaction they have no theme music just an odd start for them <laughs> just kind of come out uh, the mm-hmm. nasty storm out they get a mixed reaction the canadians sing the canadian national anthem they get booed they get jumped before they can finish the NWO street teams now in the crowd passing out papers larry wants them out of here jacques uses the flag to take over but we're not even talking with the match larry grabs a flyer from one of the kids and grabs a stack and throws them on the ground the match is a mess as tony reads the flyer you haven't seen bad and it's coming Tony uh, talks up about the Rougeau family and uh, how they're in full control uh, throughout the match, even the hitting the tower of, uh, I guess, tower of London spot, whatever, the giant tower uh, twice on sags, which is a good little series stretch of the match. Knobbs grabs the flag and uses it too. And that is it. Uh, Weird match. Sounds like the crowd was kind of out, but then it sounded like maybe the mic was weird because it's kind of been muted all night overall. So I, I don't know. Um, whatever's a match, a couple of decent spots. We'll see how the French Canadians fit in as the nasties keep rolling. So they debut the French Canadians, they lose, they get no, like no heat at all. No music just felt very odd all around. Yeah.
1: Uh, what did you go rating? Oh, uh, two stars. Sorry. Yeah, I did two stars too. Um, a weird, yeah, I agree. Weird debut. I, I think the French Canadians are one of those weird teams, and I, I blame mostly Jock, but it's not like he looks that much different from when he right. was in WWF. but just for some reason, he's one of these guys that when he comes out and it's been a couple years, he looks mm-hmm. old and dated. Like it's yeah. just, just like, oh, we're we're past you, dude. Like
0: <laughs> your, your times came.
1: Like we're we're not I mean,
0: not I sure. think I was probably excited when they showed up because of being such yeah. a big Quebecers fan, but um at least the tag division is featured here. Now that said, you would think like WWF would have been a better place for them because the tag division is so empty and they have the name and the legacy there. Like, they probably could have stepped in and been, like, good contenders in the tag division there. Versus here, where it looks like they'll probably get watched over quick.
1: You know what's crazy? And I think it's just because they were all Japan instead of New Japan. But WCW really should have made a play for Furnace and LaFontaine.
0: Mm. Yeah, that um, would have fit much better.
1: Oh, that would have been awesome. Um, yeah. I, I just thought of that. I mean, this match itself, it had some decent stuff, uh, mainly from Lit... And uh, I did like the flag being used, like Jock uses the flag when Mark Curtis is distracted to take over, and then Nobbs returns to favor, uh, getting the pinfall for the nasties. So that was fine. But overall, I mean, we talked about, like, the tag division uh, is pretty loaded still. I I Mm -hmm. do think it's kind of dropped a bit since it was, like, really, you know, at a fever pitch, uh, like, spring, early summer. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess the French Canadians can help flesh that out, but I, I don't know. They, they definitely feel kind of first hour nitro-ish.
0: Yeah. I just think, I mean, the problem is I think that we're starting to see some separation in the division, uh, which is the bigger issue because you get the outsiders now who are clearly going to be somewhat of a threat as a team, but then you got Harlem Heat who feel like a cut above the Steiners feel like a cut above. Then you kind of got like public enemy and the nasty boys in there. So American males are at the bottom of the tier. So, I mean, it feels like they've tiered off. Whereas, when yeah. we were super into in the spring and summer, it felt like everyone was kind of on equal footing. And that included Fire and Ice, who were around then still. So, it just feels like now we've separated more. And the French-Canadians feel like they're going to be in that lower tier. I just think they would have been a better fit in WDF right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point with the tier system. Uh, Sting and Luger, you know, they're going to be split. Right. They're not going to team up after Sunday or now, really. So. That, that 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 was true. Where you really a few months ago had probably like seven or eight teams you felt conceivably could be the tag champions, mm-hmm. and now it it does feel like outsiders. Harlem Heat, and we're kind of looking for somebody else. Maybe I mean, got the faces of
0: fear, I guess, but yeah. Uh, all right, Mean Jeans with the nasty boys in the ring. He calls <laughs> he calls the American Fish the Rougeot brothers, so tough night. <laughs> uh, we get clips from last week where the Nasties attacked <laughs> Elite. We get pretty good nasties chant sacks as everyone's been pointing fingers at them and assumes they're with the NWO. All they care about are the tag titles. They're in WCW. They care about Hall- uh, they care about Harlem Heat and winning the belts. Knobs doesn't care what the NWO does because they're WCW and they're coming for Harlem Heat at Fall Brawl. So kind of same old, same old from the nasties. We'll see if we ever get any movement on this freaking storyline, but it seems like they're setting something up where the nasties are being kind of uh, pointed out or fingered as being maybe tied in with the NWO. Yeah,
1: I thought this at least, like, they were pretty definitive here, more pro-WCW than they had been, so. But it's still, like, we don't care what they're doing. It still is that, but, like, um, at least, like, before Knobs has been like, well, yeah, I'm friends with Hogan, so I mean, right. Hogan, what he wants to do, that's fine. Now it's like, well, I don't care. It's a little more negatively slanted. Um, we'll see if it progresses, but it was it was enough, I guess, for me for this week.
0: All right, back to the ring is uh, Craig Pitbull Pittman takes on Scott Flash Norton. Pretty interesting yep. little match here uh teddy long is out with pitman as tony talks about both men have upper body submission holds here says that ice train and norton will fight a submission match to fall brawl so that's still going the fallout from fire <laughs> and ice uh we get a nice throw by pitman to start just two bulls slamming into each other early norton betters pitman outside shoves him into the post norton gets the armbar but nick patrick and teddy long are arguing and finally out comes ice train and throws him the towel. Uh train and Norton just kind of stand around and bark at each other and then Pittman is pissed at Ice Train. Everything feels very awkward tonight. Like no one felt like they were hitting their cues. Uh odd match, confusing stuff. I went a star and a half, but I don't know. Like I just again, everything just felt off. Like no one felt like they knew what was was supposed to be happening.
1: Star and a half for me too. Has been a little bit of a weird first hour. Um Tony calling this a whole versus hold match was mm. strange too. A good battering ram by Pittman, and then uh, Norton with that divorce court arm breaker looks pretty stiff. Um, Finish itself, I I, I guess it got over Norton. Uh, More to me, it seemed like, boy, it really feels like Pittman's been devalued, like we think at the very first of the podcast when he was (laughs) jobbing out uh, Cobra. Mm -hmm. Um, We've kind of came a long way from that where he's, he's definitely lower tiered now himself. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it feels like definitely two ice train and Norton, like there's submission match matchup fall brawl. That probably should be the end of them two
0: against each other. So yeah, I would think if that, so if that happens. All right. Uh, mean, jeans back with us again. He's with Lex Luger, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Flair asks where Sting is because they know they got a fight coming. Luger says he's been a horseman. He's been in war games. He knows all everything that's at stake. Sting is here. He says. Steiner says he saw him earlier. Uh, Mago comes in hot. He says Sting can't be trusted, and he knew he'd bail. Uh, Benoit grills Luger, <laughs> too, but Luger says he is here. They all know Sting is the guy that can be counted on. Arn has already booked a hospital room in Winston-Salem because they should all expect to get hurt. Put it all on the line. He says he has more guts than Hogan has talent, and they should have used battery acid last week in their attack. Uh, I thought Arn was great here. We get some mystery around Sting. Mago and Benoit just on edge. They're like, oh, I told you so, like as soon as they can. Um, this makes the earlier promo make a little bit more sense with the Steiner and Luger stuff, but it wasn't yeah. as clear before that this is all about trust. And this is everyone's like on edge and not trusting each other. Uh, but I thought, I thought Arn as always was fantastic.
1: Oh, yeah. This was a, a great Arn promo, which you expect is like a go home. Um, you know, the, the mystery around Sting I thought was pretty intriguing overall. Um, I've, I've liked Flair in this role, um, it, it's been interesting watching him. Because he has taken a back seat, like Orange, really the one that's kind of doing the money yes. promos, yep. um, which is very—I mean, it's odd to see. Uh, but I—I um, I don't know. Like, I'm not critiquing it, but I do think it shows, like, kind of what I talked about and wanted to see if it played out that way, where like Flair in the early part of the year was kind of still the man, you know, behind Hogan, mm-hmm. and now he's a top guy, of course, still, but you know in that level with a few other guys um but but yeah overall I, I i did like that the horsemen are still like you know protective and think it should have been their spot and this is kind of like a self fulfilling prophecy for You're that right. you know yeah. like hey we you know we told you this could happen so i thought that was good
0: yeah um they've been kind of the strong silent drivers of a lot of this for sure right we get clips of the ongoing issues between DDP and the Guerreros. And we find out Chavo and DDP, of course, will face off on Sunday. Brings us to our next match as Joe Gomez takes on Juventud Guerrera. Larry gives Nick Patrick sympathy as out comes Gomez lumbering to the ring. Hoovy has Eddie Guerrero's music, so everything, again, is off tonight. A lot of miscues. Uh, Tanae says Sekosis is on the sidelines thanks to Conan, so Hoovy will now take his slot at Fall Brawl and challenge for the Mexican title. Today reminds us is only 20 years old as he starts hot, kicks Gomez around. Uh, Gomez is so awkward in the ring, like he never seems confident or fluid at all. Hoovy's yeah. trying, but he has to keep waiting for Gomez to hit spots. Uh, nice corkscrew by Hoovy for the win. Just nothing. Gomez is, is really terrible. He might be the worst guy in this roster at this point. hits uh, <laughs> uh, again, this corkscrew is nice. The crowd's a bit out of it. There's no music when Hoovey wins. <laughs> like, the whole thing is a mess. Hoovy deserves better. We'll see how he gets uh, treated on Sunday. But one star for this. Just a night of miscues. And Nitro's been so crisp. And I know everyone makes the WCW jokes, etc. But Nitro's been really on point. Like, from a production standpoint, cohesiveness, things that make sense. At least since april or so like since the end of the hogan dungeon of doom garbage i feel like the last few months have been really humming along this feels like the first thing in a while that shit just seems off
1: yeah i went three-fourths of a star We not seen gomez since july on mm-hmm. raw or on nitro uh today's back out on commentary i mean gomez is so green Hoobie's not the guy you want to put out there with somebody right. that's that green because Hoobie's going to try stuff. And the result of that is just a mess. Like, Hoobie tries to run a Gomez in from the apron mm-hmm. back into the ring, and Gomez had no idea how to take that. Basically just, like, slips himself into the ring. Uh, and then, like, Guerrera tries a drop kick when Gomez jumps off the top rope, barely connects with that. Uh, His hero complacha for the win, the corkscrew, did look good, but that was about the only thing. Um, So, I mean, put Whovie in with the guys that he's worked with up to this point, because he's still young, but he's also very brave and kind of overconfident, which we know. So he needs to be reined in as well, Um, and they they haven't. Putting him in with Gomez is just a recipe for disaster, so three-fourths of a star.
0: And they're probably lucky any that guy got hurt, honestly.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, Gomez definitely looked way out of his... I mean, because he'd been facing guys like Mongo and the Faces of Fear and stuff, and now he's in with mm-hmm. Hoovey, who he's wow. way bigger than him, so... I'll say Gomez
0: you know, makes Mongo look like Flair, so... <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Mean Jeans with Nick Patrick. They talk about Nick's call in the tag match last week. Patrick says Luger has a vendetta due to Jean's lies. He says Sturge has happened, but the lies sense have made it worse. Luger should be suspended for chasing him out of the arena like he did. Gene says there's just enough evidence here for these to be uh, more than coincidences. Patrick keeps blaming Gene. He says he's WCW all the way and uh, Giant is uh, shoved one down their throat right now. So they get a band together on this one.
1: Uh, these two are like an old married couple, the way they've been <laughs> picturing the past few weeks. Um, I did think Nick Patrick had some good uh, kind of ideas that he threw up. You know, it was like everybody was trying to blame me, and that mm-hmm. just allowed the NWO and the Giant to take advantage. Um, so I like that. Um, overall, this was okay.
0: All right. So we go outside with the NWO is putting flyers on the car. It's raining in the parking lot. Uh, giants mm-hmm. out there as well. And we see DiBiase talk to someone in the limo as the rain pours down. He's got the umbrella. So just a little scene setting here.
1: You know, um... I wonder. I would guess this was filmed in Columbus. But, you know, like, we never see them actually inside the arena. But it, right. I would think it would have to be. But, uh it's kind of weird that hogan was at this show to be honest like he, he this, this was like one he might take
0: off but he was just because of the hard go home fall brawl maybe yeah i would think i would think it's there i don't think they would have trucked everything around but maybe right all right uh sorry wc sorry night mm-hmm. this weekend we'll see diamond Dallas page taking on jim duggan uh, Steiner versus Kurosawa versus Rick. <laughs> Did they say which? time? Yeah, it was
1: Rick. Are it me? was Rick.
0: Yep. Uh, and then Lex Luger, Scott Norton, Chris Benoit, and the Nasty Boys all in action. Engage, all right, 3-2. our big mid-show we, we match.
1: Yeah, we haven't really had a, a very deep WWE Saturday Night now in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, yeah. there's still some stars, but right. not that like marquee match.
0: Seems to be a couple weird weeks coming out of August, September for both promotions. I don't know what's off about them. They both feel like they're resetting some stuff a bit. Trying to figure it out. All right, our big mid-show match playing off the angle from earlier features Lex Luger taking on Rick Steiner. Rick comes out first. In comes Lex. We get a lot of talk about Giants' turn. Uh, Sting is missing. Larry hypes Lex as a savior over Savage, which is some interesting seeds there. The crowd is behind Luger as he powers Rick around. Larry tries to tamp down all the sting paranoia, says there's a leadership void right now. We go to the mat where Rick grinds and controls us some amateur work to bridge us into Hour two, where Bischoff, Heenan and Tanay take over We reset us for the night. Bischoff immediately knows that Nick Patrick's not working this match and it's been a clean one as a result. We get a big pop on a Rick power slam. It's turned into a pretty fun power match with rick's offense we get a fiery lex comeback the crowd's all riled up but out comes nick patrick he's alerting everyone that something is happening outside of the nwo luger follows patrick and rick wins the match by count out so pretty good power match uh the storyline was eventually going to take over we knew that but what we got was fun it was good seeing rick work a whole match in offense without tagging and luger's really mastered his comebacks during this run here as a face so i went two and three quarters before the finish yeah, I went three
1: stars. I actually really liked the match um, more than I thought I would going in. Uh, Tony saying that Luger and Patrick could be in cahoots—that's kind of a callback. Like, don't trust mm-hmm. Uh Them shaking hands at the onset was good. Rick, uh, Rick has—I mean, he's he's a good mat worker. Like, he works the mat, and it looks good here. Um, the transition into hour two was done well. It wasn't very awkward or jarring. I thought it. Actually, moved smoothly for uh, that hour two transition for a match mm-hmm. um, going on, and then the power moves were really good. Power slam, Steiner line, crowd was woofing uh, along with Rick after he does that. Uh, I did like Eric saying they specifically didn't have Nick Patrick refing this one because it was too yes. important to match. Um, Bobby immediately asks where Sting is. Belly to belly for Rick looks good. Luger makes his comeback, hits the power slam. He's calling for the rack and has great support. Um, and then you get the finish. So I, I thought it was a well-done match. that gave you enough. You didn't
0: feel cheated. Uh, and it leads to a very hot angle. All right, we cut outside in the rain where DiBiase is still talking to someone in the limbo. And we hear Sting's voice talking mm-hmm. about trust. And DiBiase is trying to calm him down. He says they can trust each other. And Bischoff starts to freak out immediately that he heard Sting's voice. Luger comes running out, and DiBiase tells Sting to wait in the limo. Luger asks Ted where Sting is. Ted says he's not here. But then out comes Sting from the limo, and him and the NWO beat down Luger, and he's lying in the downpouring rain, which is a really cool setting for this, just to be, like, dark and damp, the rain pouring down. Yep. It looked like a perfect spot for, like, a betrayal, something out of, like, a you know shakespeare a film based on a shakespeare play or something
1: comic like, book to me is what yeah that too right yeah.
0: yeah like batman or whatever yeah um so uh, luger gets gets his ass kicked he tries to fight up he throws a chauffeur to the ground poor guy uh he tries to get in two limos but everyone's emptied out he says it's dangerous out there with all the thunder and lightning and when did Bobby's run into such a fucking pussy by the way like he was always <laughs> i guess he was always kind of weaselly but i felt like he at least yeah. would go toe to toe he's the weasel Stuff. Yeah. But like now he's like a giant friggin bitch like, He's like all that thunder and lightning He's like a 90 year old woman He's like oh I can't go out in this weather uh, he's like All the thunder and lightning is dangerous out there uh, Bischoff, Bobby and today Are completely shook We go back to them and try and sort this out Bobby thinks Nick Patrick was in on it He set up Luger but Bischoff doesn't really give a fuck about Patrick He cares about Sting Bischoff gets word from security that they don't know The NWO is even at at this point And then we get a long recap of last week's events where we confirm that DiBiase is with the NWO giant is as well. And then we wrap with what just happened with Sting. So we get in some major movement here with the new world order, um, which is pretty fun because for a lot of weeks, Chad, in in like May and June and July, it felt like there would go weeks where we'd get like a slow drip. You may get one little thing happen. And now they're becoming more and more part of the show where shit is happening constantly.
1: Yeah. I mean, it went from they'll show up. Um, and that's just it to right you're having people turn like every week like i mean in a three-week clip yeah dibiase just show up giant turn and now it feels like steam turns mm-hmm. uh, I, i've always loved this I, I was gonna get your take like we know what happens but i still in watching it today like i i feel like it's believable that that's the real steam like oh yeah i, I mean i'm not very good at I, I may not be very good at facial recognition or whatnot, but I mean, I was reading my buddy Simon's review uh, and he he's pretty adamant that like, it's obviously the fake sting. And I mean, I know that like obvi- this will get mm-hmm. very played out. Like this gets very played out, but as of now and like this night with the aesthetic of the rain and the darkness, um, I, I thought it was a great, great angle that was executed well and i thought that it was uh had a couple of little uh, variations that made it interesting like sting's robes a little different right uh the audio on him quote-unquote talking feels a little odd so there's like nuggets there if you're really in tune but it's also not like inconceivable that you could be, you know, goaded into believing this. Um, and you just saw the giant turn. So I also don't think it's crazy mm-hmm. to think like Sting would join the NWO. So oh, overall, I think this is another like slam dunk angle leading into the pay per view. And it sets up so much intrigue for Fall right. Brawl, too. Like, you know, like Sting's now out of WCW. You know, like, it felt like the NWO didn't have a fourth member. Now it sounds like they do with Sting. Like, who's going to take up WCW's side? Like, so much is going on. Uh, It looked good. Luger looked like a great baby face, too, throughout it all. The way he, like, chunks the chauffeur when he gets up. I thought that was great. Um, Overall, another great memorable angle that held up on Rewatch. So, thumbs up for me, for sure.
0: Yeah, I thought this was great um i I just love the rain and to your point we've had so many turns like it it definitely is believable like why couldn't this happen um and even if you're not fully sold there's enough there to wonder where it's going so like you said it's a great perfect selling point for fall brawl because we know the nwo doesn't have a fourth guy and could this swing the balance if he jumps and they do it well I think the rain helped them hide sting as well. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if they were planning to do this, even if it wasn't raining. I'm sure they were, but they got lucky, I guess. Oh Uh, yeah. That that definitely adds to it being like kind of murky out. Like you can't tell. Is it him? Is it not him? He looked just enough like him to be believable. We haven't gotten a fake yet either out of the NWO. So like, that's not like it's in your mind that, Oh, it's just another NWO fake. You know what I mean? Yeah, like everything they've
1: said up to this point, even as far fetched as it sounded, it's came to fruition. Like you think about it, Hall saying like, you know, the big guy's coming next week. It was Nash, right. and then them saying we have a third guy. And on commentary, they were like, you know, they you know, they do not. And then it ended up being Hogan, and uh-huh. then DiBiase comes out and gives the four, and then says next week five, and that happened. So they hadn't like bait and switched us. Yeah
0: right so it worked really well no they've been very direct and delivered all right we get another nwo paid ad by the shirt Uh, we go outside again where one limo is gone and the wcw crew is stomping around in the rain kind of tearing each other apart uh the other other limo but it's empty and no one from the nwo is around anymore out there so they've all vanished
1: interesting crew too um by the amazing french canadians were stomping Mm -hmm. around out there so they're all dungeon in right of away doom. yeah dungeon of doom rick steiner's out there now helping Luger. so it, it shows that wcw is at least a little bit
0: united so i like right. that all right go outside we'll uh oh, we talk about that one that was gone we go back to the ring for our next match with billy kidman taking on ray mysterio jr uh, Bobby says WCW waited too long to come together. Should have been right when it started. Now they've let this grow. This looks like it could be fun on paper, but we thought that last week with Ray's match. <laughs> they got completely derailed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bischoff is despondent in the booth about staying turning. We start big with a nasty bump by Kidman to the floor. They brawl out there. Kidman's a beautiful splash at the top for two. Uh, these guys are really going for it, but the commentary is just completely depressed talking about Sting. And then Ray quickly wins just as things were getting heated up and ended. So, you know, Ray's on fire. Kidman showed flashes. They deserve much better on this one. Uh, I think this should have been first hour. So we could have gotten some time and focus, and let the storyline eat up one of those other matches we saw, like the French Canadians or whatever. Uh, but the story is king right now over the matches. That's just how it is. So two stars.
1: Yeah, a star and a half. I mean, it's a it's a ninety second match. Um, I yeah, you could probably kind of switch this with either the Hoobie match or the uh, Amazing French Canadians match. I I mean, I like that they're so solemn on commentary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think from a you know a. a a storyline standpoint that's smart um a quick thing where like Tanae criticizes the leadership in wcw and immediately like eric jumps in and is like we just gave you a shot here the first thing you say is like to critique the wcw leadership and stuff <laughs> yeah. so he, he, he took great offense to that and mike's like well right now we just need to band together Eric, and all that so i, I thought that was really good um The action actually in the ring for the 90 seconds was also good. A front leg flip by Ray, a nice drop kick from Kidman, catching the springboard attempt from Ray, a big splash, and then he uh, flips through and hits the cannonball sent on for the win. So, again, as as far as uh, a match to kind of give you some eye candy as they talk about what's going on and the solemnness, I, I thought it was a pretty good contrast. Um, still, and then actually Bobby had a couple of decent little nuggets throughout this match saying like the competition level so high mm-hmm. that he doesn't think anybody's going to be able to sustain a long title run. Like it was, it was, it was okay.
0: All right. We go right back to the ring for some tag team action as the public enemy take on the faces of fear. Bischoff apologizes for all the distractions about the franchise of WCW defecting. Interesting tag match here, again, showing off some depth, but we're in full Sting mode. Uh, we start brawling, but we get a split screen almost immediately. The fucking Leprechaun shows up. He's running around. Yeah. He's chasing Jimmy Hart. Barbarian beats on Rock with some strikes and a big slam. And Bobby says, they got to forget about Sting. We're gonna get, uh, going to go in and fight. We then cut backstage during the match. Mean Gene is with Lex Luger and the horseman. Arn says he isn't sad they lost a teammate or that Lex lost a friend, but he's in shock. Because the only WCW constant for the last 10 years is Sting. People went places, they've changed attitudes, but Sting has always been there. He's in shock, he's speechless. Luger shocks, but it's another incentive for Sunday, because he knows where Sting lives and he works out, and he's going to go find them. Flair rants and issues his final warnings to the NWO for war games. Uh, I thought this was really good. Again, firing up the heat for Sunday. What do you think of this promo before we get back to the match? Oh,
1: another great promo mm-hmm. from our, um yeah, it's just just amazing. Like saying people change attitude here and there, but Sting being the one thing you could count on. He he has such a great way of giving everything gravity, um, and it it doesn't. I don't, I don't know. It always feels genuine. Like that's the amazing thing with mm-hmm. Arn is he he always throws out these weighty promos, but they you know it's like the Triple H disease. You know, with his twenty minute promos where they're long winded, right? And they feel... in. And and authentic and stuff and like aren't in this three minute promo. Like you believe everything he's saying. He makes good points. It it feels like the weight you feel. It's, it's just great. Like one of the best promos of
0: all time. Um, so so really strong stuff. All right, back to the match we go. With the faces of fear are still working over Rock a Rock. Bischoff says if you were flare he'd give that spot to Benoit or Mongo and forget about Sting. The match drags on. Bischoff says the fans online have said it. It should just be the horsemen in war games all along. And they were right. No no one should have tried to do this with and Luger. Bischoff says Nick Patrick looks like an accessory to the NWO as well. But Bobby's still defending his work here, says he's calling this match even. We get a fine comeback by Public Enemy. Just an odd choice to make this a long anchor match. But everything's been off all night. Barbarian takes a table bump to wake things up a bit. And then we get the match thrown out. Complete car wreck. Uh, the tag brawl is fine, but there's no heat, no focus. They were left to die with everything going on. So two stars here, and again, the match, the wrestling has been kind of a mess tonight with the structure of the of the show, which is fine. I mean, it seems like they're okay sacrificing wrestling right now because the storylines are so hot.
1: Yeah, I'm more pro on the match than you. I went two and a half. I liked it. Um, I thought I thought the stuff that didn't. Uh, you know when they did cut to it was well done. All, only thing I didn't really like here was the leprechaun. I thought mm-hmm. that was very out of place. Um, but as far as the bra, I mean, it may just be a m- more higher on Public Enemy, but uh, I thought they took a good beating. Like Barbarian does the top rope belly to belly, a really good pile driver from Ming, uh, and then Barbarian does a huge dive through the table when Rocco Rock moves. Uh, Rocko Rock gets the moonsault on Ming, but kind of uh, doesn't clip in that well. And I thought that was cool, and that like Ming kind of just emerges up from the table and the carnage and attacks, yeah. and then hits the tongue of death. So I did think that put the faces of fear over well, um, putting them in that like you know third to four kind of title contention level, uh, beating public enemy here. Um, I, I also mentioned like the depression from Eric here. I I think this may be my favorite commentary night of Bischoff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up there. I I thought he did very well in conveying the just the shock and disappointment of Sting turning. Uh, only other note: Bobby calls me and Haku, <laughs> and yeah, of course. afterwards. So, uh, but yeah, two and a half. I, I like this. I thought this was pretty good.
0: Yeah, and it definitely should be somber. I mean, Sting means so much to WCW. It's like the one really brutal defection that yeah. could have happened. All right, Gene's with the Dungeon of Doom in the ring, and he is sick of everyone looking over at him, uh, over the giant stuff, and him going to the end of a beating at the end for for the giant. Bubba says the NWO are backstabbing pieces of trash. He focuses on Glacier, calls him out, which was hilarious as part of all this. (laughs) Uh, Conan is here as well, too, with the dungeon. He puts over Sullivan for leading the best gang wars, and he's tired of the NWO paid announcements and being oversaturated on the airwaves. Pretending to be tough, he challenges them to a fight right now. Sullivan says if Sting would turn, who else would actually turn? could be anyone. I guess it's kind of a state of the union by the dungeon,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I think you needed to hear from them probably just because the giant left them. Uh, you get that with Jimmy, um, mm-hmm. it was fine. Bubba calls out Glacier, that's fine. Conan randomly being a dungeon member was a little jarring, like,
0: we had nothing right.
1: from that. Uh, also, probably Max, having
0: a pro, maybe,
1: maybe uh, Max Muscles also in the ring, like, yeah. I don't know when that happened. Um, uh, so that was a little odd that we had these kind of two big members and just sort of showed up and Conan gave his promo and is in his full like dungeon gear now.
0: Yeah. I Um, mean, stuff must be happening on the weekends. Yeah.
1: I'd be interested if that happened on Saturday night. Um, cause it, it, if not, that feels a little odd that you wouldn't hear at least like, Oh, what's he doing? And you know, but, Right. otherwise it was a pretty generic promo sullivan again feels
0: dated but we've been saying that for a while now all right we get another nwop announcement uh this time it's yeah. not just a shirt it's a it's a full on boat here they're talking about taking our wcw hogan calls dibiase the boss says he makes ted turner look like a pauper they've established who they are hogan's a world champion they're all powerful they hit it and split it dibiase says they have taken on the best they've won A lot of cuts here between all these guys bragging on their successes, including the giant being the fifth guy. Nash says they're here to stay. And DiBiase says change is inevitable. Hall says WCW want them so bad. They agreed to war games. They don't even know who they're facing. They go in, create confusion and chaos. And DiBiase wants their own weekly segment on Nitro. They want their own tag team tournament and they want WCW to pay the bill for it when they win on Sunday. Hall says NWO is for life. So we're starting to see them feel, feel themselves more and more. They're starting to make demands now. Also, the interesting presentation, and I'm curious how this goes, and maybe a good dropped angle um, piece. Like, how long is it being presented that DiBiase is kind of the lead dog at the NWO? Like, yeah, the benefactor, yeah. Yeah, it's almost always feels like it's Hogan, but they're starting to make like DiBiase is the one driving the decisions. Yeah, they definitely here
1: had DiBiase as like the bankroll for sure. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that that was the catalyst for convincing Giant. Um, yep. Yeah. NWO for life, too. I don't know if we've heard that before, but definitely had it here. Uh, good catchphrase, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. Uh, a lot better Hogan doesn't say his anything less with the uncivilized Yeah, album, I don't think so we're
0: done with that yet, though. He
1: dropped that, thankfully. Um, I. I mean, I like these segments. I thought this was another good one. Added some fleshed out some stuff that we needed to know and i like that they were behind a cage so that also puts over war games just mm-hmm. in the way they're filming it
0: so overall another win it's been a strong night of promos for sure yep. um across the board which is what you want in you go home yeah all right we get our ad for fall brawl uh bishop bobby and today talk about stinging war games then we go back to the ring for our main event which is macho man randy savage taking on your boy john tenta Savage uh, taking on another big man to prep for fall brawl where he'll face the giant. Uh, and this feud is renewed from a simpler time, if you recall, back when Tenta was the shark uh, mm-hmm. him and or the avalanche, actually. Before yeah, shark, avalanche. him and Savage feuded in 95. Savage sprints out, but Tenta jumps him, knowing this is a big chance. Bischoff apologizes for Bobby calling Ming Haku by accident. <laughs> he says he's under contract at WCW, is not associated with any other organization, which was just Bischoff, you know, doing his legal shit because of all yeah. the lawsuits. Around due diligence, yeah. They wanted to make sure that no one, no, we're not saying Haku is you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, Savage is two big elbows, he's just this completely squashing Tenta. Teddy Long comes out, he begs Savage to follow him backstage, and he does. And the match itself just a squash. All story tonight. The crowd kind of seems annoyed a little bit. You could feel maybe some of the wind come out because all of the big stuff is happening backstage tonight. So, this Columbus crowd kind of got fucked a little bit. There's not a lot going on in the ring. Not much action match wise, so I could see maybe attending the night show. I'm feeling a little bit let down, uh, but I went a star and a half on the match.
1: I uh, gave it a two. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, and Eric mentions that, um, the crowd, I guess, didn't see what was going on backstage, even. Yeah, so that kind of sucks. Uh, Tenta has Jericho's music. <laughs> was an interesting thing. Uh, also a nice mustache. Uh, Savage has gold and black attire, which always looks good. Kind of a WrestleMania 8 look. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as a, a, a big man matchup, it was fine. It was very quick, but uh, Savage looked good, looked uh, resilient, and then hit the big... Uh, double axe smash and two elbows uh, before Teddy Long came in. So if, for what it was, it was fine. I, I kind of like Savage going up against these big guys as monsters. Uh, as prep for the Giant.
0: Yeah, it's been a good little running theme. Um, and, and yeah, I would say again, yeah, everything happening backstage definitely feels like a slight to the fans. Like a, it, you know, I would say the killing of town, but. You may be a little hard-pressed if you're Columbus just to feel like you're getting money's worth here tonight.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll look up while you talk about the promo when the next time they
0: come to Columbus is. Because they don't even get, like, a good one good match in it, at least. Like, they didn't see any big stars in the ring. I guess they saw Luger and Rick, so that's something. But no one else is really out there. Uh, so Savage and Teddy Long run out to the rain, but there's a limo leaving as they get there. The rest of the crew is there as well. They scour the other limo, but nothing is going on besides finding an empty box and some paint. So they tagged the limo. Bischoff, Bobby, and today wrap us up. Bischoff's about to announce something, but Arn Anderson comes out and says the world is in shock, outraged, but no one's hotter than the horsemen. He talks about their history and how they paved the way. Bischoff says maybe they've made mistakes, but Flair cuts him off and says WCW needs the horsemen, and they shouldn't be locked up in the back. He gives the final sell for War Games and says Hogan has no chance. Bischoff says the horsemen will get their shot, even though WCW hasn't given them their due. And then we wrap with one last look at Sting attacking Luger. Uh, Good promos, but a soft end to this odd show. Um, But look, if nothing else, they put a ton of hype on Sunday and intrigue with the Sting stuff. So if that's all they needed to do tonight, that final sell, then they accomplished it. But as a Nitro, outside of a bunch of great promos, it really was lacking. You have all the miscues going on, um, all the random matches that don't ever really get going. So kind of an up and down episode of Nitro, but... Their main goal was selling war games at Fall Brawl, and they nailed that.
1: Uh, so, 8-30-97, they do a house show. They're not okay. back for TV till, uh March 5th, 98, of Thunder. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, they A, kinda, not a surprise. Town. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it's a small town anyway. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a so big. burn up after this, yeah. but
1: uh the actual uh finishing here i i thought was kind of cool i like that uh like when the horsemen come to the announce booth flair shakes bobby's hand mongo as well uh aren't talking about how you want to be a horseman when you grow up but just don't know how to uh and then eric like apologizing for his mistakes being kind of mm-hmm. blunt like you see eric take responsibility here um Yes, which I enjoyed i I, th- I think I mean to me, like I thought this episode was trending very low in the first hour, but the second hour I greatly enjoyed, so to me right. it was more of a tell of two episodes um I mean really, in the second hour, besides Conan randomly being in dungeon of Doom from what we've seen in the leprechaun rolling out running out, which was ten seconds, like I mm-hmm. Wouldn't have changed much about that hour uh, heading into the show. So um, overall, I mean, this isn't one of the better nitros for sure, but I think the steam angle is memorable um, for sure. And is an important piece of this whole storyline. So it does have at least one memorable angle uh, that happens for the show.
0: Yep. (laughs) All right. Let's do our awards here to wrap things up. Uh, best match, I mean, I think it's was pretty obvious, is Luger and Steiner. Yeah. Best moment, again, pretty clearly, Sting uh, joining the NWO. Yes. All right. For MVP, I had Luger here, but as we've talked through the night, I don't know. Are you, are you going Arn?
1: I went Arn. Uh, him and Luger, Luger I thought, were pretty close, Um, though. Yeah. I mean, Luger, Luger, I think, is very good. Um, yeah. I, I actually think this is a pretty strong night for Mm -hmm. Uh, multiple mvps like you could you could even make a small case for debiase between the paid announcement and his role um
0: so so pretty pretty solid night for candidates okay all right. Uh, a couple commentary lines. This is exactly the Mormon tabernacle chorus. That was Larry. This is propaganda, Larry. Well, it was an election year. That was Tony. Uh, obviously <laughs> not a banquet for the eyeballs, Larry. Stupidly, I spent four years at Penn State flunking French. I should have flunked Spanish. That was Larry. And this is not made for public consumption. That was Bischoff. Uh, debuts, we had Super Colo Sensei Pat Tanaka, and the amazing French Canadians. No shots fired. Unless you want to count the Haku Apology. Um... And no, no, I mean, I,
1: I, he also. wouldn't have done that unless he had to. So right. yeah, I don't. I wouldn't count that.
0: So I don't know. I'm curious if I'm lower than you on this one again. I just it felt like there were so many things off about the show, uh, but the sting angle was great, and to me, that's the bulk of this grade, as well as the Anderson and the Horseman promo. So I went five and a half out of ten.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm I'm higher. I I kind of bantered about. I'm I'm gonna land at just six out of ten. Mm-hmm. I do think the first hour is rough, and I do think, like, we could have gotten, uh, like, if we could have gotten, like, more of a good marquee match in the first hour, um, I actually would have liked to see Diamond Dallas Page on the show, <laughs> like, uh, we, he'd been on a little bit
0: of a roll. And well, yeah, they hyped the up the part. thing with him and the Guerreros. Yeah, yeah could have done something with that. Yeah,
1: so, like, no Eddie, no DDP. So, those are kind of your uh, ring generals, which yes, is hard to say. But, yeah, no Jericho either. Um, so, so, that really could have helped the first hour, and I think it helped the show overall. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the second hour. Like, if this would have just been the second hour only, I'd, I'd probably have been, like, seven and a half, maybe Flirting with eight, but I'll I'll go six as a show overall. I still thought it was a good show. Like, oh yeah, I mean good. every
0: Nitro baseline right now is is very good. I mean these are all very good shows. So this this one yeah. felt like a little bit of a letdown after like you know I went seven and a half on our last Nitro. Right. Um, yeah. I mean I was eight yeah more consistently good, but these first hours are worrying me a little bit lately. Um, I, I th- the fear is that the roster is getting a little bit unmanageable for them already and they're picking some of the wrong guys <laughs> for these shows um and again just like are they losing track of stuff because they're so because there's so much going on is it starting to going to start leading to like some more mistakes and miscues or is it just a bad night which is also possible so we'll see possible all right let's do our uh combo awards our first here 499 and I think we both agree The best show was obviously Nitro Yeah Best match, we're going to go with uh, Steiner and Luger Yes Best segment Obviously Sting joining NWO. Yep Better commentary, I think we like Nitro a lot better Yeah, like, I, again, like Actually, I think
1: you almost could put Eric Also as an MVP candidate Like I, You know, Eric's commentary is what it is But mm-hmm. I really liked him tonight I really liked Bobby tonight So Strong, strong night for Nitro on commentary for me.
0: Alright, and then star of the night, we're gonna go with Arn? Uh, we'd go with Arn, yeah. Okay, so a clean sweep Nitro on the ratings, I'm sure. The Yeah, uh, the ratings are kind of cool. So
1: this is the biggest Nitro rating ever that oh, wow. was
0: uh, was in
1: direct competition. So, uh, they did a 3.7. Uh, Nit- uh, Raw did a 2.4. But again, Oof. like, I mean, uh, the, the, the two previous nitros running unopposed at a 4.2 4.3 so mm-hmm. they they retained most of that audience and was able to bump up to that 3.7 um, which was a really big rating like this yeah. is a rating that they, they equal a few times over the next couple of months but it's a rating they will not eclipse until night.
0: February of 97 so big night Alright, yeah, definitely a big night And, you know, last week's show was great They were unopposed, so yeah. Clearly, like you said, just won over A lot of fans with the giant turn And, uh, you know, final go-home for Fall Brawl Here, so Alright, right, so that'll do it for us tonight, Chad And as we mentioned, is the go-home for Fall Brawl That means our next episode will be pay-per-view time So we'll see how War Games holds up And all the Sting stuff, and we'll see how The rest of the card stacks up as well, so I'm looking forward to that one
1: Yeah, definitely look forward to that show uh, It's one that familiar with a few matches here and there but it's it's one I feel like I've watched more over the years as kind of a one off like you know watched maybe the uh, the Jericho match or watched the Super Clo Mysterio match or watched War games so so I'm interested to see how it goes as a show overall I haven't watched it front to back in a while so
0: looking forward yeah. to it agreed it's kind of a, a little bit lost in the fall because, you know, the big habit card coming up and then coming off of the other shows in the summer. So, right. All right. That's it. Smell that napalm. We'll talk to you in two weeks. He's a ghost. He's a
1: They're whispering his name through this disappearing land. But hidden in his coat is a red right hand. Self-respect, you feel like an insect. Well, don't you worry, buddy. Cause here he comes a through the ghettos and the barrio and the barry and, and the slum. His shadow is cast wherever he stands. And stacks a green paper in his red right hand.